Hello, Sportscope followers. After five years of doing this program, once a week, balancing a 60-hour workweek job, I've decided to do the program five days a week, one hour a night, taking a significant pay cut. So I've started a Patreon page, which is Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N slash Sportscope, spelled the same way at the bottom of the screen you see there, for $5 a month, 17 cents a day. You can help support the program. You ask yourself, why Sportscope? Well, I bring in such big names uh, such as Al Borges, former Auburn offensive coordinator, and and I cover the big news uh, in sports that the corporate media will not cover. If you want to contribute more than $5 a month, you can go use the cash app. The cash tag is Sportscope, again, spelled the same way, or you can go to the Zelle app, sportscope at gmail.com. Uh, Sportscope has about 5,000 followers and growing. If you want to advertise on the program, you can email me. The word is sportscope, spelled the same way again, at gmail.com. Thank you and enjoy the program. All right, now we're live here on All Links, everybody. I know we got a big game coming up tonight. A little irritated that it did not, uh, that it it is not on TV for everybody to see. It's on Amazon Prime. Jeff Bezos is in the stadium. And I've got a little solution for, for the economic times that we're going through. And just for this year only, uh, for Thursday night football, because we've got the Chiefs and the L.A. Chargers coming up. Uh, but tonight, going to talk about that Brett Favre story. I got a chance to read up on that uh, in Mississippi and why he's been cut such a pass. Uh, I'm going to read over a little bit of a history with there, uh, w- between his relationship and the media, the general public, everything that's out there. Also going to bring in right off the top of the hour, about a minute early, but we're going to bring in uh, Jack Hirsch, who's probably somewhere in the control room right now. Uh, as soon as you see this program, come on the program now, because we're just about a minute short of 7 o'clock, and I told Jack I'd bring him in right off the bat. But Jack is a uh, Jack Hirsch is a... Uh, former six-time president of the Boxing Writers Association, uh, American BWAA, former president of Ring of Eight uh, of New York. Jack was awarded the 2014 BWAA Barney uh, Nigeler uh, Award for long and notorious service, $50 word there. He was the Ring Sports Magazine East Coast editor from 97 to 2006, the senior boxing writer for Boxing Beat Magazine from 88 to 89. He's a writer for Internet sites such as BoxingNewsOnline.com and TheFightJournal.com. He is in the 2020 inductee to the New York State Boxing Hall of Fame. Jack was also an amateur boxer that competed in the New York Golden Gloves in 1970s and was a sparring partner for uh, middleweight champion Vito Antufermo, and I cannot pronounce that name. And I sent Jack the, whatchamacallit there, let's make sure that he is uh, on the, is he got the email, uh, Let's see. 
All right. Not yet. Okay. Let's see. Okay. We're going to wait and see if Jack has got my... Uh, See if he's in the boardroom there. Not yet. Okay. We're going to send it to him again. Now, I know I'm doing it right this time, folks. So we're not going to have the same problem that we had with. Um... Okay. Let's see if Jack has come up. Oh, no, going to have to um, do this again, but I know, I know that uh, we're going to get it. Yeah, and K. Okay, let's try that one more time. All right. Okay, now, there he is. Bingo. All right, Jack, you're here. Oh, see you. There you are. There I don't right know there. if you heard my introduction, Jack. Um, so this is what I've got. That you're a six-time president, Bo Boxing Writers Association. You've uh, president of Ring 8 of New York. Uh, you got a bunch of awards and well, stuff. Formal one. Right, right. I mean, yeah. I... I could tell you all all my credentials, but I'm a modest guy, so I'll leave, I'm gonna leave it alone. I only tell people my credentials if I want to get in an exclusive club or impress them or whatever. But we've known one another a while. Yeah. And I've got to remain just introduce humble. you to the audience, man. I've got, I've got to remain humble considering how my New York Jets did in the opening game. There's nothing yeah. to boast about. And that's what I'll really um and like I said, the audience already has got your introduction now. And I also put on the title sports enthusiast uh, for the audience. I think we've worked together. What Would this be our third year on, on uh, Mac yeah, and Jack? And Jim? I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think so. Time goes quick. I mean, my yeah. partner in the other show, Frank Leturza, that we have gloved fist. He told me the other day, we're having a one year anniversary. And it seems like Frank yeah. and myself just started. I mean, but yeah. you want to know something? I look at it this way. They say time flies, but so much happens in the interim as well. Yeah. And yeah, that's true. Have short, and it does and, and fans basically have short memories. You deliver championship, have a great season. It's what have you done for me lately, such as your Tennessee Titans, <laughs> who had the best record in the AFC last year. And now, I mean, they're, caught, they're probably calling for someone's head in Tennessee. Yes, yes, for giving up those rushing yards. Now, that was really what I wanted to, going back to the Jets. Uh, now, Mad New Yorker Carlos, I went to college with him 20 years ago. That's when I met Carlos. Uh, he's living back in New York City. He's one of these WFAN uh, for the audience, that is the probably the most popular local sports talk radio show in the country, WFAN. And he's already talking about when this came up about Zach Wilson 
at the last minute, he's going to be out four weeks when there's a possibility he could have played against the, the Ravens. He's saying that they should have traded him to uh, for Lamar Jackson. He's got these big, crazy – and you know what? But let me, let me just – I have a theory here about the Jets, okay? This goes up farther. You know, they always say, look uphill uh, for your problems with the organization. You know, like the, the plumbers, one-on-one, poop rolls downhill, right? So – my thing is, there's an article in uh, USA Today. Did a little research here, Jack. Just hear me out. Back in 2016, the Jets were considered the most dysfunctional organization in the NFL, according to USA Today. Back in 2000, uh, I saw this Bill Belichick and Nick Saban. Uh, no, what? No, it was the Two Bills documentary uh, a couple of years ago. But it talks about back in 2000 when Belichick was in that tobacco between the Jets and the Patriots thing. And uh, the owner of the Jets died in 99. It was between James Dolan and, of course, Woody Johnson to buy the organization. And he says, I had problems with both guys. And you, you look, you fast forward here. Just a couple of years ago, Woody Johnson uh, was accused of breaking some racial and sexist remarks. Now, as the ambassador of the UK, you can make that argument. Maybe the media is coming after him because of connection to the former president Trump. But my thing is you, you look at all these coaches and, and, and general managers that the jets have since he's took an ownership. I think it's perception uh, of Woody Johnson. And my thing is maybe you should give Robert Salah one more year, maybe shouldn't move or order the move to move so fast on Zach Wilson just for the future. I said the same thing about uh, Jimmy Haslam for the Browns. I thought maybe he should give Hugh uh, Jackson one more year because he's starting to get that reputation. Uh, what are your thoughts on showing stability for future talented uh, general managers and head coaches? I mean, everyone likes the word stability. It sounds good. Revisionist thinking sounds very good, you know, as well. I mean, just very quickly, we've had coaches, college coaches in the past, They've grabbed players by the chin strap and pulled them close to them. Yeah. They tried to fire them up to listen, and it was considered normal at the time. Uh, but if someone took out a tape of that today, what yeah. a coach did 25, 30 years ago, they'd be calling for him to get fired, that he abused someone. He did this, he did that. Yeah. I hate this revisionist thinking. As far as Robert Salah goes, he's not on the hot seat yet. Not yet. He's, you know, unlike Joe Judge, who had two years and Joe Judge got fired after second year, I don't think Salah's quite in that danger unless the wheels fall apart. But there has to be accountability. You're in a win-now league. He took over last year. They went 4-13. and 13. And let's face it, that's a pretty dismal record. But he was yeah. given a pass because he's a new coach. The Jets only won a couple of games the year before. Jet fans just want to see improvement. Yeah. An improvement would be a seven and ten season. You go from four and thirteen to seven and ten. Your young players are developing. Your Jet fan base is going to be okay with that. But if they should turn out another four and thirteen season, they're going to be problems. Now, Robert Salah might run into trouble personality-wise. He's already combative. He said recently, well, we're going to have a receipt, whoever doubted us. 
You know, he's already mm. going back at his critics. And it's not yeah. the thing to do. Even the quarterback position, which is the key position for any team, he kind of defended Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco was his guy, maybe because Robert Salah is a young coach and Joe Flacco's a veteran. These young coaches, they yeah. tend to, in a certain sense, look up to the veteran leadership. Yeah. And and the Jet fan base is right now, no, no one's thinking rid of Robert Salah. That would be absurd right yeah. now. But what they are saying is for him to start Mike White, okay, who played yeah. well, sensationally in one game last year. Then he had a little, some problems after that. But certainly there'd be more upside than Joe Flacco at this point. And Robert Salah is going to stick with Joe Flacco to what Point. I mean, they play the Cleveland Browns this week. Yeah. And even though the game's at Cleveland, it's a winnable game. You yeah. lose that game, where are you going to get your wins from? I mean, yeah. they, they haven't played their division rivals yet. No one expects the Jets to win the division. But the Jets have to show some spark. They, they have to, you know, they have to do something this year to excite their fan base. And the honeymoon period basically is going to be over for him this year. Maybe yeah. he could extend it to the end of the year and that would be about as far as it could go. Yeah. Yeah. It's now, what is your theory on, uh, what do you think about my theory on Woody Johnson, that perception of Woody Johnson? I don't think there's that Woody Johnson isn't really talked about in New York much. James Dolan is James Dolan has a poison image in New York. Woody Johnson, not really. I mean, who cares that he supported Trump? I mean, are they, Woody Johnson actually was an ambassador in England, and technically his brother was running the team. I don't know what how much input Woody Johnson had at the time he was in England. Woody Johnson has never been an overly involved owner. Okay, He's been involved, but he hasn't ever seemed to be a true meddler. You know, uh, and, yeah. and I'm not saying the other owners are medalists, even though we know some probably are. But we have in this league, the NFL, some owners who are more involved than others. Yeah. And he wouldn't rate as one of the most involved owners. I mean, the Jets have made changes, you know, to different GMs. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, you know, and right now they have Joe Douglas, who everyone felt drafted really well this year. I mean, he yeah. was given high, high grades. And now it's just a question of the players producing. I'll tell you something interesting that happened Sunday's game against the Ravens. The loudest the Jet fan base came, and I'm not comparing to when they scored the one touchdown, uh, but that was late in the game, and that was just made the score look better, yeah. was when Sauce Gardner broke up a pass. You know, and made a really good play. You could sense the excitement in the stands that everyone was focused on a cornerback. Because he it had a lot of the buzz coming out of the draft. Uh, right. We're always focused on either a quarterback or wide receiver yeah. to give us a buzz. And, and he made a great defensive play. And he's maybe going to be... In this, these are big words. Maybe it'll be the second coming of Darrell Revis. That's how excited That's what I was thinking. Is, is about him. But what the Jets are basically going to do with Sauce Gardner, 
they're going to put him on everyone's biggest weapon, be it a wide receiver or the yeah. tight end, you know, the, the hardest guy to cover. So that's going to have to really open things up uh, a little bit, you know, for cornerbacks like Tony Adams, who are really going to have to step up. Yeah. And, uh, and another thing I didn't like with Robert Salah, you got your other number one draft choice, okay? Sauce went number four overall. And then you had uh, Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. Yes. Electrifying. He kind of reminds in the way of OBJ. And yeah. he and he's just he was just used as a situational player for the first game. Why not just let him go, let him play? I mean, just give him a full run. I mean, why have him platoon with the other guys? He caught a short pass and he was electrifying the way he broke tackles. Yeah. I mean, we want to see more of them. I don't want to hear, well, they're rookies. We have to develop them. These guys were stars in college. They played on big yeah. stages. You mean to tell me, I'm going to ask you, Robert. Yeah. What is a biggest stage in your opinion? I've never asked anyone this before. A massive college football game for the national championship or a, ga or a game in an NFL stadium like the Meadowlands or somewhere else. What is yeah, I would say the stage? national championship, yeah. Right. And even big games on Saturday in Ohio State in the stadium. Yeah. He's used to being on a high level in front of, you know, a major crowd. And uh, so Michigan Stadium is bigger than, uh, I think, all of NFL stadiums. It's over 100,000. Yeah. I think Ohio State, too, for that matter. Yeah. So, Robert Salah, I'll tell you, the Jet defense played well against Lamar yeah. Jackson. But the problem, once again, they couldn't finish plays on defense when they get to Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson found a way to escape and <laughs> run for yardage. You know, sometimes you hear people say about guys like us. I assume you didn't play the game, Rob. I mean, in the no. sense. Well, I, I was a quarterback in NFL for a few years. Right, not, not no. the NFL level, but we all played it on <laughs> lower. But listen yeah, to yeah, this. Yeah. We all played it on low levels. Yeah. Lowest level, two-hand touch. In the schoolyard. And yeah. remember when we would play two-hand touch, at one point, we would have to rush the quarterback. And if we were playing a kid who was lightning quick, we would ease up on the rush because we just wanted to contain him on 10 right. Mississippi. We didn't want him to take off. And that's what reminded me a little bit also of the Jet defense. They were uh -huh. kind of getting to Lamar Jackson, but they wouldn't be all in at times because they didn't want him to take off and really run. Yeah. Well, they do that. I think it's called the mush rush, Jack. Uh, the, the coaches call that on defense. And I guess my other question, what is your timetable on, on Zach Wilson? Mine is about like yours. I want to see those last four to five games. I want to see a massive improvement there. The guy's got less starts than, uh, say, a, a half of a guy like a Kenny Pickett or even a Trevor Lawrence in college. You've seen the talent in him. Uh, I understand he's been injured in college and injured here, but I, I'm thinking those last few games there. They're committed you know. to him. They are absolutely committed to him. When you pick a player number two overall in the draft, yeah, you don't just move on from him in your second year. You've got to be 
unless you're 100% sure. I mean, think of the other guys who got drafted with Zach Wilson. The guy who went ahead of him, Trevor Lawrence, he's the full-time quarterback, franchise quarterback of Jacksonville from the beginning. Think of the guy who got drafted right after him, Trey Lance. He's the starter now, and... And the 49ers have a better alternative in Jimmy Garoppolo than the Jets have and Joe Flacco, yeah. Mike White. Uh, think of the, the guys behind him, Justin Fields. He's starting for the Bears. He's the franchise quarterback. Mac Jones is the franchise quarterback for New England. And so Zach Wilson was given the starting job, okay, last yeah. year and this year. And there has to be a reluctance to bench him at any point when he does come back. Because who are you going to bench him for? If you're going to bench him for Mike White, you know, it's not a good look. Zach Wilson has got to be the guy. Now, the question is this. If he's coming back after four games, it's got to be his job. What happens if he performs dreadfully the rest of the season? Do the Jets move on from him or do they have the attitude, we invested so much in him, we have to keep trying to work this out? That's that's the question. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my thing is, you got to be realistic. They're on their third left tackle in six weeks, Jack. They gave yeah, Dwayne Brown I, all I, that money. I'm a, Listen, I'm aware of that. Yeah. Well, talk about the look audience all, there. Look, the, listen, yeah. look all around the NFL. Yeah. Okay. And Joe Burrow doesn't have good protection at Cincinnati, yeah. but he finds a way to get it done. I mean, and you look at the, most of the teams in the NFL, the players are under a lot of duress, but somehow they survive. Justin Fields, he doesn't have blocking, you know, in Chicago. Yeah. But he finds a way to survive. Zach Wilson's going to have to do it. We're playing in an era where you need the mobile quarterback. You need the quarterback to be able to, you know, get the snap and immediately roll out, immediately move, make something happen, buy some time, you know, have good instincts getting rid of the ball. ball. And uh, But but listen, the, the jury's out on Zach Wilson completely, completely. We have no idea how good he could be or how good he might not be. Once in a while, Zach Wilson, when he played last year, unleashed a really good pass, looked really good. But anyone's going to look good on occasion. Yep. And he was, a, he was a rookie. He was allowed the growing pains. You know, he, he's yep. allowed that. Listen, the Manning brothers didn't look that good in the beginning. No. You know, but then they got it together. It's uh, Once in a while, you get a quarterback that's an aberration. He looks sensational right off the bat. But for the most part, you know, it's a learning curve. As long as Zach Wilson is showing some type of progress, he'll he'll be the Jet quarterback next year, the rest of this year uh, as well. It's kind of like with Miami with Tua. They went crazy about him, but he was a little better the second year than he was the first year. Now this third year, they expect him to get a little better as long as they keep it showing some type of improvement and the yeah. ability to manage the game, you know, th- those type of guys are going to be quarterbacks for their team for years to come. So who do you like now uh, over – do you like him or Tua better? Uh, who, 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 since, Tua, since we're talking that at the, at the AFC East, do you, do you like Tua better for what you've seen of him 
Uh, it seemed like Zach's a little bit more athletic. Oh, miles ahead of Zach. Yeah. No, no, he's played more. I mean, yeah. li listen, Tua didn't start in the beginning. Ryan Fitzpatrick was the starter. Okay. And if you recall, that's when Brian Flores was the Dolphin coach. And yeah. the odd part about it was Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing really well for the Dolphins. Mm -hmm. But they knew that Tua was the franchise quarterback. So all of a sudden, Tua took over for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. When Fitzpatrick was playing well. And I kind of wonder. Was that something that came from the owner of, or if it came from Brian Flores? Because all reports were when Deshaun Watson was available, Brian Flores wanted to move on from Tua, yeah. which was a contradiction. He had to have been somewhat high on Tua to replace, you know, have him replace Fitzpatrick, who was playing really well for the Dolphins at the time. Yeah, and see, that's the thing that I, I can't, we really can't, we really don't know until after the fact how much the owner is pushing for these certain things. And yeah, going back to Woody Johnson, you know, I followed the guy on Twitter. It sees him with the players. He looks like he's having a good time throwing the football around. Uh, he doesn't look like an older gentleman. He kind of looks like a younger guy, uh, kind of a playful looking guy. He's not a, a quiet standoff, reserve guy, kind of like the owner of the Rams, more of a quiet laid back guy, one that you may think that have some of those allegations. This guy doesn't seem that way. But you're saying he's hands off from everything you're hearing. No, no, it's around New York, you know, uh, Woody Johnson isn't controversial. The Jet fan base, uh, I, you know, I hate to say it, they're not quite as passionate, it would seem, as let's say the New York Knicks fan base. Yeah. Okay, the New York Knicks fan base, you know, it's a bit impatient because uh, yeah. they play at Madison Square Garden. There's electricity in the arena when the team is doing well. Uh, somehow with the Jets, it's not one of the most intimidating or intense places to play. I even <laughs> asked Jim Jeff Coat that. What yeah. place was the least intimidating? And he said the Meadowlands, I mean, with the Jets like mm. a game like that going there because i mean the jet fan base they have good fans i mean don't misunderstand me good fans but listen they haven't been back to a super bowl since uh joe namath took them there <laughs> was that 68 uh, or 69 yes well 68 technically they the super bowl was played january 12 1969 oh, so they man. haven't been you know they haven't been back and they were what like to maybe three AFC championship games yeah. in the meantime. It just, uh, but the Jet fan base, they, they stay loyal. But 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 listen, I, I think with the Jet draft picks, I think Robert Salah's right. I do yeah. like this Jet team going forward. I really, really do. Yeah. And my, it might be fun if the Jets, even with a 7-10 and 10 record, if they're running neck and neck with New England for the worst record, to the Jets just beating out New England, yeah. I'll give them satisfaction. Wow, we had a good season. We beat out New England this year. It was kind of like at a PGA tournament decades ago when they were way past their peak. All of a sudden, Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer were playing side by side. Neither yeah. had a prayer of winning the tournament, but CBS's camera 
went away from the guys in the lead and they followed Nicholas and Palmer to showdown, like one would finish eventually 24th, the other 26th. <laughs> that, was, that was more important. So to the Jets, yeah. that might kind of make their season beat out New England. You know, give gives yeah. you something to shoot for. And it seems like I'm riding New England off now in a certain yeah. sense. Yeah. Well, I, I just um, – I think that they're – for one thing, the last two years, not just this past year, but but last year, the Jets' drafts are getting high grades. The defensive line's high grade. Uh, Beckham, he, I mean, he can't foresee who's going to get uh, injured. It's Makai Beckton, uh, Jamal Adams, Jack. He shut down for the entire season. It's Seattle. In, in, uh, it's Seattle. I'm not, it's Seattle. It's, it, it's a brutal game. Yep. I mean, they're not just physically, mentally. Just think of Jamal Adams. He works his his rear end off all off season. Yep. Works so hard. Really wants to have a big year. Establish himself as the best safety in the game. In all yep. that hard work, the first game of the season, I mean, is lost. He has to miss the season, and now there's a long rehab process too. Yeah. To just get back to where he was. I mean, it's 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 heartbreaking what some of yeah. these guys got to look. TJ Watt, he's missing six games. At least he'll come back this year. Zach Prescott, at least he'll come back. It's supposed to yeah. be about six, seven games. Jerry Jones says within four games. But the point is, by the time he does come back, if the Cowboys haven't you know, won a couple of those games, this season might practically be over by the time yeah. it comes back. You never know. Yeah, but I was but, saying, look at that trade that the Jets got for Jamal Adams. You guys got multiple first-round picks. Uh, it, it, it it looks to me more and more like it was a home run for the Jets. It's that kind of management. My thing is, I think the Jet fans need to be patient. Don't trade for Lamar Jackson, Carlos. And uh, and, and well, worn out maybe uh, Zach Lamar, Let me just say something in yeah. defense of Jamal Adams. If he was playing for the Jets, maybe he doesn't get injured. Yeah, and if well, he maybe. doesn't get injured and he's with the Jets, the Jets would have a tremendous impact playing Jamal Adams. So don't sell yeah. Jamal Adams short. They'd have one of the best safeties in the game. Car you know, we all love Carlos's contribution to all the shows, but. <laughs> <laughs> out of his mind, Zach Wilson for Lamar Jackson. Does he think for one second the Ravens would even entertain that deal? They would laugh on the other end. Yeah. I mean, the Jet, whoever would make that call on behalf of the Jets would lose all credibility with the Ravens <laughs> going forward because you couldn't take someone like that seriously. You know what? They might immediately say Lamar Jackson – they know the Ravens can't go to the Super Bowl without Lamar Jackson this year. And they might ask, well, what else are you going to give us? I'll give you an example of what yeah. you might get them to listen to, the Ravens. If the Arizona Cardinals called them up and they said, we'd like to trade Kyla Murray for Lamar Jackson, and we're going to give you three first-round draft selections, you know, they might have the Ravens' attention there. Yeah. In that Maybe case. straight up, if it's me. I'm not well, a Lamar Jackson guy. Well, Murray played opening game and ended last year. I mean, yeah. I think, yeah. And uh, 
because you know the Ravens' logic might be, well, you know, we can't sign Lamar Jackson, or we not we don't want to meet that guaranteed price. So you know, maybe they make a deal. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Maybe Lamar Jackson pulls an Aaron Judge, like what Aaron Judge is with the Yankees, has a phenomenal year. Imagine right. the, and then the Ravens are going to have to meet his price. You would think. Yeah. Hey, let me. Um, you know what? I'm gonna switch a little bit of gears here. Uh, I wasn't going to ask you this at first, but now that you seem like you're you're not worried about the game right now, uh, not unless you need to golf. Are you good? No, no, no. I'll get. Listen, I'm gonna. You know, it's a great game, San Diego, Kansas City. But I'm not glued to every play. You know, in the first. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Uh, I was going to ask you about this Brett Favre situation. Uh, some issue where he he took some some money from a uh, uh, there's some text messages there is uh, some money from a I want to say a welfare fund with the state to build this uh, volleyball stadium and you got guys like Shannon Shark saying well uh, the media wouldn't let uh, wouldn't vote in a guy like a uh, um, Listen, you know what? Let me let me see if I can play this. I'm I'm, I'm feeling real professional. I like here. Shannon Sharp, but sometimes I think he's the mouth that roars. <laughs> I'm gonna see if I can play this. This is Shannon Sharp. Brett Favre went to the Hall of Fame, and nobody mentioned about text messages that he sent to that jet masseuse. Nobody mentioned anything about the addiction that he suffered from. But yet, To they brought up everything. Can you imagine if To would have had an incident incidents? Like Brett Favre off the field, T.O. still to this day right now would not be in the Hall of Fame. Yet they walk right past it like Brett Favre did nothing. That is true. I give well, you that. The problem off, that I have with yeah. First off, Brett Favre was a team player as a quarterback. Yes, he had a relationship with his people. T.O. was about the most selfish player you'd ever want to have. Okay, in the history of the game, right? Uh, one of them for sure. T.O. was a as great as he was as a receiver, yeah, he caused such turmoil and distraction. Okay, he, yeah. I mean, anything that comes Tio's way, I wouldn't want him on my team. Point blank. Yeah. Okay, before there was Antonio Brown, there was Terrell. <laughs> okay, yeah, that, that enough said for those yeah. you know not as familiar. Who was and and with Brett Favre. I don't know anything about this case, yeah. what went on. He hasn't been found guilty of anything. Well, and, yeah, and, I I, and I, let me remind you something about yeah. uh, about uh, Shannon Sharp here. When they he was on the Ravens Super Bowl winning team. Yeah, Ray Lewis, Ray Lewis was involved in not directly, but his friends or something. And he was accused of withholding information yeah. during the murder. Okay? Double murder. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, he wasn't found guilty, but a lot of people to this day, or, uh, or at least the people out there who are suspicious about Ray Lewis, you know, involvement, this and that. The me So on Super Bowl week, the media wanted to ask Ray Lewis questions about it. Ray Lewis was sitting there basically like a puppy dog when yeah. And Shannon Sharp was telling the media off in a loud, authoritative voice. So wow. I don't want to hear 
Shannon Sharp get on all this morality and this and that with Brett Favre? If Brett Favre is indeed guilty, yep. law enforcement is going to take care of it. I'm not familiar with what went on. I'm certainly not yep. defending Brett Favre right. or putting him down one way or the other. Okay? Uh, but, yeah, yeah, we don't know enough about what went on with yep. Brett Favre. So how is this going to hold up this Hall of Fame induction that took place uh, long ago? I, I just yeah. don't get it. Well, Shannon, go, he he later goes on and plays the race card. And, you oh, know. oh, well, well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Well, listen, uh, Shannon's in a pretty nice high-paid position himself. Yeah. So. Yeah, and then he talks about the, uh, the poverty rate in Mississippi is the worst in the country. And I wanted to say, Shannon, you're in a studio in California where they got the highest homeless rate in the country by a long shot. So I don't know where you're getting at with all this stuff. And here's my theory about Brett Favre. Same thing I had, even as a kid, watching the OJ chase and following that in 1994. I was like 12 years old. And I'm thinking, there's no way. This has got to be a misunderstanding. Right. This is the guy on the TV commercials, Jack. Right. He, he, uh, the naked gun commercials. He's a friendly guy on the sidelines. Brett Favre, we, we followed the issue with his, his wife's cancer. Uh, he supposedly, there's questions that maybe he's got CTE now. Uh, uh, yeah, his dad dying. Depression at the time, yeah. Yeah, his dad dying. And there was a question whether he should play the Monday night game or not. So I feel like there's a little bit of, uh, the reason why the media hasn't really jumped on this story from Favre is because he does have, uh, there's a lot of his, even though, and, and Shannon's right about the text message. There's a lot of stuff with Favre that's been out where he's not. He had a, he had an alcohol problem. He had a he had a uh, uh, what was it a painkiller problem. So the, whether he wants it out or not, the good and the bad and the ugly, the general public sees and and the media and and I think there's a little bit of empathy for for Favre. And he was a you know pretty nice guy with the media rather than a T.O. Uh, yeah, well, it gets me to it, Shannon Sharp. I mean, to play the race card. I mean, who, which NFL player was involved in anything more horrific than Michael Vick? Yeah. Okay. Well, OJ. Um, oh, no, well, yeah, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm at the time when Michael Vick was playing, not OJ yeah. was retired. Yeah. But the, uh, well, you know, assuming that OJ, OJ technically wasn't guilty in a court of law. Yeah. He lost his civil case. We've got a, you know, point that out. So officially yeah. he wasn't guilty, but the perception of any, just about anyone you talk to, you know, they associate OJ with committing the crime. Yeah. But, uh, but the thing about it with Michael Vick, Michael Vick then worked for the league office afterwards and everything, the NFL office. And yeah. if Michael Vick, you know, had been white, we would have heard Shannon say, well, if he wasn't white, then he was yeah. <laughs> you know, Listen, we'd hear the same thing about Pete Rose. If Pete Rose, you know, was African-American, would they be saying that? Well, if he was white, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, listen, it's, uh, it's a, uh, an ultra-sensitive society yeah. that we live in. And there are... There are a good number of injustices, you know, 
racial injustices, injustices on gender. Yeah. But when we point out everything is racist, uh, anti this, anti that, it makes it harder to get to the actual problem. Listen, Becky Hammond, for example, she was an assistant coach at San Antonio. She's got credentials. If she wasn't a woman, do I think she'd get ahead, be a head coach now in the NBA? I do. Okay. I do. So someone could point saying, well, the reason she's not a head coach in the NBA because she's a woman. And I'm going to, and I'm definitely going to buy that. Yeah. Without question. And, uh, but that's another issue. Right. And, you know, uh, on yesterday's program, I'm, I was talking about this whole cancel culture. I believe in forgiveness, actually. I forgave yeah. Michael Vick. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not saying you shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. No, no I'm just telling for just the, the owner of the Suns, uh, Dominic Foxworth on first take thinks that he should sell the team, even though there was a major investigation with sexual uh, uh, harassment and, and racial allegations, even though even a, a guy like Stephen A. Smith said, well, there, it's not the vibe around the league. Uh, what he was saying is supposedly taken out of context. And I think this whole council culture is getting a little bit out of hand. And it seems to be a hot button with the media shows like that. For So it will go viral, whether they really believe it or not. You're Shannon Sharps. And, and I don't want to see anybody lose their job having this guilty until proven innocent mentality as well. Rob, I'm going to tell you, someone, one of my old classmates, I'm sure in the eighth grade, is going to remember me saying something that was very naughty, really yeah. bad, in the eighth grade when I was what, <laughs> about 13. And I'll bring it up now and uh, just cancel me. I can't do the yeah. shows anymore now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It bothers me more when things are dug up, you yeah. know, from before. And the whole cancel culture, it's absolutely ridiculous. What do you want to do? Not allow the person to make a living? Yeah. I mean, you know, take the Phoenix Sun owner. There's a certain reputational damage when you do something like that. Yeah. Okay, he got suspended a year in $10 million. I can understand someone saying, well, it should have been two years. I don't know the extent of how he acted, but yeah. obviously he acted very wrongly, yeah. you know, with office workers, with this, with that. But uh, I mean, what more, what more do you want? I mean, and then you have LeBron James saying about the Phoenix Sun owner, oh, how bad it is. The league should kick him out for good. Well, LeBron, you posted a photo of a police officer yes. that answered a 911 call and saved someone's life, was yes. doing his job, you know, exactly what he was trained to do. Yeah. And if something would have happened to that guy. And threatened him and said, you're next. Yeah. Should you have been – so why not kick LeBron out of the league for good? Yeah. And he was because never fined for that, Jack. No, of course, I'm being sarcastic. No, I know. LeBron, LeBron should have been held accountable. Yes. You do something like that. It's not a one-way ticket for you to, like, criticize, put people down, falsely accuse them of things, and then yeah. uh, and then it happens the other way, and you just want them gone altogether. Yeah. Switching gears here. Now, you're. Uh, I've noticed in the past you've made tennis comments. You're a tennis enthusiast. 
you're well versed on tennis. Uh, Roger Federer is going to retire. To me, I think he's about third between uh, Djokovic and Nadal. If you look at Grand Slam titles and everything, uh, I like the fact that he was one of the first players that I've ever seen break uh, 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 Sanford's serve. Uh, and made Pete Sanford retire in 2001, Jack. What are your thoughts on, on Roger Federer? Where does he rank all time? You know, it's funny. Pete Sampras retired on top when he had a lot left to give. Roger Federer pushed it to the last strap. He's 41 years old. He was coming off the injuries. I didn't think he could come back, not to the level he did before, which was an amazing level. Now, he has 20 Grand Slam titles. Uh, Novak Djokovic has 21. Rafael Nadal, 22. The problem with that is the problem with Grand Slam titles is people put too much emphasis on it. They yeah. put a little less emphasis on the on the career, you know, the various tournaments. Yeah. Roger Federer wasn't the greatest tennis player of his era. Actually, in my opinion, the Dallin Djokovic was slightly better. But okay. an argument can be made, and a very strong argument, that Roger Federer had the greatest career of the three of them because those times he wasn't winning yeah. Grand Slam titles. He was losing in the finals over and over and over. He's like the team that got yeah. to the Super Bowl a lot and when he, they weren't winning it, and they would lose in the championship game when uh, Djokovic and Nadal wouldn't make as many finals. And right, and I think I want to say he's got 15 more than Djokovic actual wins, tournament wins. It's like 103 to 88, I want to say. And uh, yeah, 103. Uh, he's got nine more than the doll, and he's got um, oh, 15 more than Djokovic. Uh, wait, wait, wait. What are we talking about? Tournament wins. Tournaments like the Miami Open, the, a yeah. whole tournament that we're talking about. I think it's got to be tournament wins, Jack. ATP, yeah, yeah, things like that. Yeah. yeah, I don't know about Mac. They don't. They don't have a. I mean, I'm sure you can find it, but I couldn't. I couldn't see the the actual match wins for each but match. I, I'm going to tell you, <clears throat> I don't think we're ever going to see anything like that again. It maybe in any major sport, uh, yeah. certainly not in tennis, where you have three players. Okay, you know, three males like that, uh, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, so dominate. They, yeah, every tournament they were there over and over and over and yeah. over. And now we're getting into a new era, it's going to be, you know, it's going to open up a bit more. Uh, Djokovic still is going to be a factor, and Nadal is could still be a factor, but at age 41, I mean, Federer saw the handwriting was on the wall. You know, tennis is a speed game. Yeah. You gotta have, you know, explosive power going after the ball. And when you're 41, you can only win so much on being savvy and having experience. Yeah. You gotta physically well, you saw that with, with Serena in that right. last match. Yeah, really stretch out. You know, Serena is kind of teasing us. She talks a lot about Tom Brady. Brady's mm-hmm. kind of an inspiration to her. She's saying, in other she words, she, she might come back. Yeah, I think she is going to come back. 
the only thing that bothers me about that, the only thing that bothers me about it, I don't want to see a player have a farewell tour. Yeah. And then oh, you didn't like that with Jeter? No, 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 no. Jeter had it, but he didn't come back. Oh, that's he right. Didn't come back. Listen, you mentioned WFAN before. Mike Francesa did it. He has Mike a friend, farewell yeah. tour. And then a few months later, he's back on WFAN after all that. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> you leave me alone with that. I mean, don't have your farewell tour unless you're really going to retire. The danger with an athlete having a farewell tour, Rob, what happens if you do great during your farewell tour? You say, I yeah. got so much left. Why am I quitting? I mean, oh, Maria, Mariana Rivera had a farewell tour, but the last weekend of the season, the manager, Joe Girardi, said, are you sure you really want to do this? You have to retire then. You don't want to meet the people, have them shower you with gifts, do this, do that. Yeah, and then, that's you know, funny. And then not, and then not retire. <laughs> so, so they had it for Serena at the U.S. Open. Yeah. And but you want to know something? I'm gonna give Serena a pass. Because I, I kind of wonder, I sometimes back the racial argument up. And in the yeah. case of Serena Williams, if she were white, yeah. she you know, I have to believe she would have been uh her profile would have been higher because she's a legendary player with what she accomplished mm. and never quite got the recognition the only other excuse could be that she was so dominant so head and shoulders above the other players yeah. she took the fun out of the match that's how great <laughs> she was yeah, she know, was like that pitcher uh who was that real dominant pitcher in the 60s jack oh sandy Kovacs. sandy Kovacs, yeah oh, but Kovacs is charismatic he was i mean yeah. when you ask people even today the greatest pitcher they ever saw of all, you know, that era, they'll say Sandy Kovacs of all the guys that came after. But I think that that type of thinking, once a guy stakes his claim, it's hard to get him out. Just like running back, no one's ever going to be better than Jim Brown. No yeah. one's ever going to be better than Sugar Ray Robinson or yeah. Muhammad Ali. They're like, you know. Hey, this guy, said, uh, you know who Larry Liston is? I know Sonny Liston, but yeah, I don't know if he's he he's got a boxing question, and I'm sorry, Larry. Here, oh, sure. sorry to go off topic, but Jack. Well, well, first thought, does he think it will happen as a too high a payout in contrast to how many buys it does? I talked to my source today, yeah, and he it's nothing signed. It's eighty five percent certain it's going to take place. And 85% is an intriguing number because mm -hmm. it looks like it's definitely taking place. But that extra 15%, it's still something might happen. They're working hard through it today. Yeah. But you don't know. It just takes one of the parties to get annoyed about one of the terms, backpedal a little, and yeah. then the others say, ah, screw you, blah, 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 and have the thing fall apart. It's not official till it's official, put it that way. Yeah. It okay. was reported months ago that they were going to fight. It was coming off, and it never happened, okay? Mm. And now a few months go by. They've worked at it. I'll tell you, I'm exciting. I'm excited if it does happen. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm really Speaking of excited, excited, Jack, let me ask you this. Uh, there's been rumors that uh, Anthony Joseph and Tyson Fury 
does that fight happen? And and who do you think wins? That fight does happen. And kudos to Anthony Joshua. Tyson Fury put out an offer 60-40 in his favor. He may have been grandstanding, figuring Joshua's going to turn it down. Joshua accepted it. Joshua is saying the money's not that important. He just wants the darn fight. He really believes he's going to beat Fury. And he backed it up before. People forget Joshua was all set to fight Tyson Fury before he fought Alexander Usyk the first time. Yes. And what had happened, reportedly, it, Fury's people assured Eddie Hearn, uh, Joshua's promoter, that their rematch clause with Deontay Wilder, they can work around it. They're not going to fight Deontay Wilder. They'll just fight Joshua. But Deontay Wilder went to court, and the judge ruled in his favor. And as yeah. a result, Tyson Fury had to have the rematch with Deontay Wilder. But now Joshua's clear. He wants to fight. And I'm going to tell you, I mean, they haven't officially signed yet. So I can't come up with an official pick, but Josh was in with a serious chance in that fight. A serious oh, chance. Oh wow! Win. Yeah, a very serious chance. Who who is Joshua lost to? Is it just Ruiz? Is that the guy? Oh, he lost, yeah, he lost three times. He lost to Ruiz, and then the two fights with Usyk. The fight he lost to Ruiz, he got hit with an equal equilibrium punch. He didn't seem to be there that much mentally. Then they had a rematch. Yeah, And ja Ruiz didn't come into the ring motivated, really in shape. But that's how Ruiz is. He's basically a, a bit of a lazy guy when it comes to his profession. Yeah, he, he looked like he was the fat guy with quick hands, though. Well, you know, he doesn't have the best body built, but he does have quick hands. But Joshua boxed him the whole fight, just moved around him and outpointed him clearly. Yeah, And then he fought Alexander Usyk, and I picked Usyk to win both fights. The first fight was an upset. But Usyk, you know, was a great Olympian, and, you know, great amateur, I should say, and undefeated as a pro, a great cruiserweight. He was moving up in weight. And simply put, outside of Joshua being the physically bigger guy, Usyk's skill level was better. You know, mm. they had this rematch. Joshua fought a good fight, but Usyk is just, a little better. That's all there is to it. Yeah. I, I kind of like Fury if they fight. Fury, I know he looks a little, he's another guy. He don't have the best air quote body, but man, that guy's tactical. Did you ever get a chance to meet the guy who he was named after? Did you ever get a chance to interview Mike Tyson? Oh, I more than interview Mike Tyson. Uh, Mike he, Tyson spent an evening actually sitting next to me when I was the president of the Boxing Writers Association of America. Uh, we had our banquet in Vegas and through the late Steve Locke, you know, was close with Tyson. Then he brought him to the banquet and Tyson sat next to me. Then there was another time that was like in about 2014. Then yeah. in 2006, I got an award in Vegas from the American Association of Professional Ringside Physicians. And Tyson came to the banquet. Uh, and, you know, and he had a little he had a little, he was, he had a little too much to drink, you can tell, but he was, <laughs> he was in a happy mood, a happy, happy mood. And it was the strangest thing because when the banquet filled out, 
Tyson hung around and he was with a great Australian champion, a former champion at the time, Jeff Fennick, one of the greatest fighters in Australian boxing history who trained him for a little point in his career yeah. and was a close friend. And you would think everyone would be hanging around Tyson when this banquet was over, but everyone's leaving and Tyson and Fennick were two of the last to leave. Yeah. So I have a nice photo and a nice write-up of Tyson and me together that was published in the magazine. So you had a drink with him? No, I could have hung out with him in Fennec after. I just didn't want to do it. Tyson came over to me and he congratulated me. And they, someone took a photo, which I have, yeah. you know, me holding that award. And I, you know, you know, one thing about Mike Tyson, talk about down-to-earth athletes. He never looked at himself as being, oh, I'm important. I'm this. I'm oh, that. wow. Really? It was any- good? Never any airs about Mike Tyson at all. Never nice. in the slightest, okay? Listen, some fighters, their airs about them. They think they're this, they think they're that, but they can still be excellent with the public, like Sugar Ray Leonard. Sugar yeah. Ray Leonard is great with fans, but he walks around like he's your majesty, but he's great with fans. No, no, yeah. he accommodates people He's very, you know, and he's down to earth that way once he's, you know, with the fans. Evander Holyfield, excellent with the fans, excellent with people. Did you you have a long, did you ever have like a sit down with these guys? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Long interviews and everything. What's the worst interview you ever had where you thought, man, this guy, what a jerk. Uh, I can't recall ever, but I'll tell you, there was, uh, there's a young fighter. I'll even mention his name. And this, it was completely innocent on his part because I think he is a pretty good kid. There's a young fighter. He must be about 21 now, Brandon Lee. You're going to hear his name, a top junior welterweight. I interviewed him about a year ago. I was asked to do it by someone associated Mm -hmm. with him. Normally, I wouldn't. Now, who do you write for now, by the way? Uh, Boxing News. uh, Boxing News, okay. Yeah, yeah. over 33 years. Okay. So I interviewed Brandon Lee, but every answer he was giving me was so quick and short. And I stopped the interview and I kind of gave him a short lecture on how he should go about things in the future. I, yeah. To tell him, you're going to turn off some other people in the media. You, yeah, because you're sounding like you're getting about to get your tooth pulled. You so know, it's Brandon you're not, Lee. Brandon Lee, but like he's a good stuff. kid. He thanked me, and then he made an effort to do better, which yeah. really reflected on the type of person he is. Were you ever uh, scared of any of these guys? Like uh, a fill of yeah. intimidation? Yeah, yeah. Actually, a former fight, I, I got uh, – they're different stories. I, I could tell you uh, Eddie Futch, the trainer. Okay. Your famous trainer champions. I wrote something he thought was negative. So at Boxing Hall of Fame weekend, I heard that he was looking for me, that he was angry. <laughs> and I, I avoided him all over the place. Eddie <laughs> Fudge. Who did he train? Did he train anybody famous? He Joe Frazier, Ken Norton, among Oh, others. wow. Okay. So he didn't know how I looked like exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I knew how he looked like, so I had an advantage. I was able to avoid him. Finally, I decide to come clean that night. I'm in the hotel lobby. I go over to him. Yeah. 
you know, and I figured, I got to get this out of the way. So I say, excuse me, Eddie, do you have a moment? He says, no, I just came out to get a cold drink. I have to go get back to my room. And he didn't know, he, he didn't know Jack Hirsch yeah. was standing right in front of him. He thought maybe yeah. some fan or whatever. So I said, okay, Eddie, that's good with me. Take care. <laughs> but then years <laughs> later, a couple of years later, we sat together at a banquet and I got to know his wife, Eva Futch, lovely woman who I'm in touch with to this day. So we had yeah. a, a great chat. You know, there was a time also, sometimes it's fans. I was in the men's room after an Andrew Galata fight and his fans came in very rowdy. Yeah. It wasn't comfortable, but I had to, you know, wave my fist, go, Galata, 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 like I'm with them and I walk <laughs> Yeah, so you know, I, I would think it would be somebody like Mike because uh, Tyson seems like he's a very temperamental guy. Like everything can no, go. No, Hurricane Carter. There's the oh, answer. Okay. The movie Hurricane. What happened? The movie Hurricane it just came out. Yeah. And he wasn't giving interviews, but he was up there on Hall of Fame weekend. So I asked someone who was taking him around, could I interview him? To my shock, yeah. he agreed. He wasn't giving anyone an interview. Why nice. me? He doesn't even know me. So yeah. I'm I'm hanging out with him going all over. <laughs> okay? And keep in mind, he'd gotten out of prison and the whole bit. I forgot the exact year, but it didn't seem that far removed. Yeah. And when the hurricane would be walking, he would wave to me to follow him even. Great sign. Finally, we get to sit down one-on-one -on -one in the conference room. I can't believe it. I'm about yeah. to get this exclusive no one else gets. He only wants to talk about the Hall of Fame, nothing about himself. <clears throat> yeah. So I'm starting to become not argumentative, but I'm objecting. I say, yeah. no, no, no one, people don't care that much what you think of the Hall of Fame. They want to know by you directly, Hurricane. He's starting to get really annoyed at me. Oh, okay. And I figure I better get out of here before I'm, you know, he loosens a couple of my teeth. It's going to be on the news. Hurricane <laughs> Carter back in jail. This time, murder legit. Oh, <laughs> oh, this time he'll be, yeah, or whatever. Man, that's funny, but, man. So I, so I got, so I got out of it, but I learned a valuable lesson as a reporter, a tremendous lesson. I get back there, I tell the other reporters, and I remember Bernard Fernandez, who's a dear friend to this day at the Philadelphia Daily News, saying to me, you yeah. should have talked to him about what he wanted to do, about talk about the Hall of Fame, and then you gently get him to open up about other stuff. You go yeah. along with it. And I learned the lesson, go with the flow always. Don't shut it off and give a guy an either or, or tell him why what you want to talk. Accommodate him. And you could get him to come over to your way of thinking. Yeah. I was talking to a friend about you before the program. He says, uh, does he know, what do you know about Gustamato? Did you ever interview oh, him? Of course, Gustamato. Never formally. Never formally. Uh, keep him on Gustamato. You know, he passed away not long after I was heavily involved in the media. Yeah, But I did talk to him before that. I talked to him, I remember, even in 1983. What okay. had happened, and I actually talked to him before that about something, uh, about training when I was an amateur boxer and all. I, I, he was 
very close with Tyson's manager, Jim Jacobs. Uh, and Jim Jacobs helped subsidize, you know, Customato, his home up at the Catskills. And Customato had managed Floyd Patterson, a two-time heavyweight champion before that. And I would talk philosophy with Customato. And, you know, I, I had a phone conversation with him, a long conversation. He was fascinating. He was, yeah. you know, just like a, a brilliant guy because he would think out of the box. I wouldn't agree. He thought so much out of the box. Listen to this theory, Rap. Yeah. Will Chamberlain, there was talk of Will Chamberlain fighting Muhammad Ali. Yes. If that was going to come off. Customato was going to train Will Chamberlain for the fight. Okay. Will Chamberlain had gotten in touch with Customato. And Customato said something that was absolutely brilliant. He said, we're not going to teach you how to box. We're just going to teach you how to fight one man, meaning Ali. So yep. he was going to give him a, an unusual style. You know, Will Chamberlain had about as much chance of beating Muhammad Ali as we could say if Muhammad Ali was trained in basketball and you put him up against Oscar Robertson at that time. This is not to say Ali couldn't have been turned into a competent player. This is not to say he couldn't have bothered Oscar a little bit, maybe, but Oscar would have destroyed him when all was said. (laughs) I thought they did do an exhibition. No, no, no. It never never happened. No, but Customato's strategy, from what I gathered later, would have been Will Chamberlain would have spent the whole time just moving away and jabbing, just keep away. He's got huge reach. Force Ali to come to him. And according to D'Amato, Chamberlain was so powerful, he hit Ali with one punch and knock him out. D'Amato really (laughs) believed that at the time. But... D'Amato got to be actually Ali and D'Amato got to be very close after that. He Did was, you ever ask Gus who was Gus's favorite fighter? Um, just like Henry Armstrong, really you know, three-time champion. Yeah, and he loved Joe Lewis as well. I remember, you know, they have a clip of D'Amato and Ali arguing. It was a fun argument, and D'Amato telling him that Lewis would have knocked him out, saying Lewis said you could run. <laughs> that he would have gotten you, he would have knocked you right out. Oh, man. Fun stuff, fun stuff. But, uh, wow. Wow. Well, Jack, uh, man, I didn't plan on keeping you the whole hour. This no, is fun, right. man. Yeah, yeah, listen, any time. I had a good time. And uh, yeah. if the Jets were playing uh, instead, you know, tonight's Thursday night football, you wouldn't have had me for this amount of time. I would have been there for the Jet game. <laughs> hey, okay. yeah, I'll, I'll try not to break you home. Good game. I got Amazon actually. I could watch the darn game. Most yeah. people are complaining that they can't watch the game. Yeah. Because it's on Amazon. Well, my and, dad uh, don't have it. He's annoyed. Yeah, and I'm gonna tell you, this is a good, good game tonight. Yeah. True. I mean, if it were one of the weaker games of the NFL, I don't think people would be as annoyed, but people kind of want to see Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes go at yeah. it. Yeah, you know, uh, this is my solution. Uh, we're, we're having a hard time right now in the country. You've got inflation really high. I think maybe just give it to the fans, Amazon to the fans, to stream one year for free. Uh, while you have, and, and then next year, uh, charge people uh, to use the, the streaming services. 
due to the way everything is, uh, even though I know that Jeff Bezos is not technically a part of Amazon anymore, uh, I think that would be good PR for Amazon. I'm not as hype about it. You want to know why? Because they set up these, there's Thursday night football, there's Sunday football, and Sunday yeah. day, Sunday night, and Monday night. Monday night, there's even going to be two games. And uh, so if they want a Thursday night, do a special thing with Amazon. I'm not, uh, I'm not as hype about it as other people. Yeah. You know, like everything they should be able to see. It's their equivalent. They want you to subscribe yeah. to the Amazon. I'll, I'm going to tell you, I didn't even know I had Amazon here. You know, <laughs> my wife told me, no, you got the app. Yeah. And like, meanwhile, I missed some Yankee games and other things. And now, you know, yeah. I got to get it. I still don't know how to get it on my TV. I watch it. Well, I got the smart. You had to get the smart TV, I think. Yeah, I, I, I'm not tech savvy. I got to get my son-in-law someone. <laughs> well, hey, I'll say, are you going to be there Sunday on the show? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're back. We're, we're doing the show. I mean, we've had – You host it again Sunday? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had a couple of glitches. Uh, should yeah. be because Pax is doing his thing, you know, the Philly sports guy. Yeah, and Sunday. Wait a second, Pax. The Eagles are playing Monday night, so Pax should be there Sunday. Yeah, I guess they'll be hosting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I right. I'm I mean, really I, hoping I, Detroit would win, man. Just to see his reaction. Well, I'm gonna tell you, they're playing the Vikings on Monday night, and I shouldn't give yeah, my pick I think early. It's in but Philly, I'm, gonna the, I'm gonna be picking the Vikings. Oh well, I, I don't know. I, I think I might pick Philadelphia in Philadelphia. Well, it's a toss-up. It's a toss-up. You game. know, Kirk Cousins um, Monday night, and uh, you know how he is in prime time. Yeah, the funny thing about Kirk Cousins, people forget before he went to the Vikings, the Jets, when Todd Bowles was the coach, made a very strong bid to get Kirk Cousins. Imagine he'd signed with the Jets. You kind of wonder how things would have played out. How good a quad. The Jet fans would have needed to blame someone. I think they would have gotten around to booing a bit with Kirk Cousins. Uh, I don't think he's a Vinny Testaverde, do you? Well, you know, uh, no, I don't. Th- Gil said similar, but I don't think he's. keep mentioning Vinny Testaverde. I don't know why everyone has this thing with Vinny. Vinny was a good quarterback, but, uh, you know, he was never one of the elite quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, but Kirk Cousins, that's the same thing. I, I like it. I like him better. He's about on a level, Vinny and Kirk Cousins, about sim- a similar. It's a good level. comparison. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I yeah. Okay, you, you, <laughs> could, you could say that too. Listen, uh, Chad Pennington or whatever. Yeah, well, that's what they need is a big time quarterback. Well, have a good night, Jack. I will see you <laughs> Sunday. Appreciate it again, <laughs> man. Hey, you know what? If you're not too busy, maybe I'll make you a regular at some point. Yeah, no, yeah, sure. Listen, uh, be in touch, and you let you let me know the schedule. And uh, I had a lot of fun. I, yeah, yeah, I know you got a lot of shows to do. So, oh, what what yeah, shows so are you on? Uh, well, we do the Mac and Jack thing Thursday mornings, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, from eight to ten in the morning Eastern. And that's Eastern, time. okay. And then gloved fist from 7 to 8 in the evening, Mondays, uh, Eastern time. I had to figure out when you told me Central time, 
I figured, man, oh man, I had to click in my head. I just think of West Coast time. Then there's time, time. There's like a one hour difference, a two hour difference, a three hour difference. So I had to gather. Fly over me. country. I like this. I like this eight o'clock. You got to send me the link earlier, though. Okay. Okay. Five minutes before. I mean, you know, you I know really that I'm always on. Really didn't come on. I got to get that link earlier. <laughs> you don't, <laughs> All right. don't bring me. Don't bring me into the studio, but just have me, you know, yeah. something I'm yeah. going to be on. I just barely, I staggered into this show. That's all right. I'll send it to you early. Hey, Jack, I appreciate it, man. Hey, you have a good night, buddy. Thanks a lot, Rob. Have all right. Class. Thanks, guys. Okay. Take care. <laughs>